pleasure to have you. I trust you're enjoying the month of January. I love this time of year for a few reasons. I love the hope and the optimism that January brings. And a little while ago, I decided to try and change my approach to how I would sort of plan my year and my goals and so forth. I used to try and cram it into, you know, that gap that week between Christmas and New Year, thinking that kind of one January came and I had to hit the ground running with any sort of changes that I wanted to make. But I decided to take the entire month of January to pray and to seek God and to think through carefully how I'd like to spend the remaining 11 months of the year. And I found great wisdom and value in taking a month to plan and prepare for the remaining 11. I found that really helpful. So I'm still very much in that zone of thinking and planning for the year ahead. One of the things that I also really enjoy about the month of January is no evenings out. There are no meetings. And uh, as a parent with you know, young kids, this is just great. It's really nice to look ahead at the week and to go, oh, fantastic, there's, there's no nights out. That's really nice. Uh, so I trust that you are enjoying the month of January, however it looks and shapes up for you. It is always a little different to every other month, isn't it? Um, just so you know where we are headed. So during the month of January, the idea is just to have different messages each week with a bit of an emphasis on the new year and to try and provide you with some inspiration, something practical to take away and apply to your life this coming year to make the remaining 11 months uh, better than what they currently are looking like, perhaps. The design is for every message to add value to you if you are someone who's Perhaps here on the Central Coast enjoying a holiday and you've just happened to join us here for worship this morning, we want you to get some value out of our service. So our first major series for Term 1 will start on Sunday the 5th of February and we're going to spend eight weeks looking at the I Am Statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. The series will be called I Am Jesus and there are studies that have been prepared by Doug Sutherland for the growth groups to participate. So it's going to be a, um, a great series that we'll look at together as a church, and that will take us up to Easter time. Uh, last week, we spoke about change, and we looked at the story of Zacchaeus and uh, how we were given the opportunity at the end of that service to consider whether we are going to respond to Jesus or to respond like Jesus. Today, I think, is going to be quite special, and I've called it Words to Live By, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you the, the journey that I've been on um, preparing this morning's talk. Um, next week, the discipline of simplicity. Again, something that we can learn to cultivate in our lives to help us focus on what really matters. And then the final Sunday in January, Sunday the 29th, we're going to have what I'm calling a Vision Sunday. Many churches do this. We haven't done this before, but I think it's really appropriate for us, and let me tell you why. Back in 2014, we launched a five-year vision, five or six scenarios of the church that we desire to be with God's help. And if we put work and energy and time into various aspects of the church's life, the church that we kind of see ourselves becoming. So we're three years into that now. In the back half of last year, the leadership and I spent some time intentionally uh, refocusing and sharpening that vision. It was a little bit wordy. So the vision hasn't changed, but our communication has. 
And so on Sunday the 29th, we want to share with you all about the vision that God has given this church, where we're at and where we see ourselves going. It's going to be a, a wonderful service to be a part of. Really encourage you to be there Sunday the 29th. And we're going to finish with a celebration lunch. So I'd really appreciate it if you could come and you could bring something to share. We're going to have a great time together. That's going to kind of launch the year for us. Before we uh, get into this morning's word, let's just pause for a moment and pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to gather together today, Lord, as your people. And we recognize, Lord, that we meet in your name. And as we come now, Lord, to that time in the service where we open up your word and see what it has to say to us today, I pray that your Holy Spirit might speak. Pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten our hearts and our ears and our minds to your words. And I pray, Father God, that you would just pour out your blessing upon your people today. That through the truth of your word, you might give us words to live by. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this time now. And we look forward to what you have to say to us. Help us to focus. Help us to be present in this moment now. For your name's sake. Amen. Also just wanted to say I really appreciate your prayer this coming week. Uh, the leadership team and I, and the leadership team is comprised of the staff, the elders, uh, pastors, deacons, and vision keepers. We go away for a night, two days um, in January to spend some time reflecting and praying both personally uh, but also as a team and we spend some time planning for the year ahead and that's happening this coming week on Friday and Saturday. So I'd really appreciate your prayer as that happens. It's a very special time and uh, it's a really great way to start the year. Well, I'm not sure about you, but at the start of the new year, I'm often thinking about what new or different things I can do in order to grow and to change and to achieve the goals that I set for myself. Now, in my personal life, here are some of the things that have been going through my mind. Read the Bible in a year. Some of these things are just ongoing habits, but I still like to say that's something I'm committed to this year. Be more intentional with prayer by devoting various days to certain subjects. Read two books a month. Get eight hours sleep every night. Drink two liters of water every day. Floss daily, (laughs) run a marathon, save for a bathroom renovation, and give more money away to the church and to missions. Now, these are just some of the things that I'm thinking about. And uh, now, unless there's actually a plan behind those, then uh, a lot of the time it's not actually going to happen. But if I actually work out a plan, if I say, well, how am I going to do this? What is this going to look like? What's the strategy? When does it begin? Uh, then a habit can begin to take root. And once you've formed a habit, well, then you're well on the way to achieving your goal. But I find that at the end of the year, when I reflect on the goals that I'd set, it's always a mixed bag of results. Now, not all of us are goal-setting type people, but I certainly am. And what I find is that some goals stick and become habits and others fall by the wayside and just keep reappearing <laughs> on my list of, uh, of things that I'd like to achieve. What if, however, rather than trying to change what I do, I decided to change how 
I think. After all, our actions are always only ever a result of our thoughts. Okay, so there's a thought that takes root, and that thought is what then leads to an action. And I confess that I spend a lot of my time in the action, but not as much time in the thought. What thought needs to be changed, what thought needs to be developed in order to achieve the action? Do you understand? So I've been thinking a lot about thinking. And our thoughts matter far more than we can begin to imagine. Dallas Willard, in Revolution of Character, writes, We first turned away from God in our thoughts. So it is our thought life that we must ignite the the revolution of our character. Thoughts are where we can begin to truly change. You see, what we ultimately, what we think, ultimately determines what we do, and who we are. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. In Romans 8, 5 to 6, we read... Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to peace. In Romans 8... Paul contrasts the difference between living life according to the sinful nature versus living life according to the Spirit of God. And he says that the lifestyle of a sinful nature ultimately flows from a mind that is orientated towards the sinful nature. In contrast... Uh, A lifestyle of the Spirit comes as a result of orientating our minds to the things of the Spirit. You see, there's that direct correlation. We are told that a mind controlled by the sinful nature leads to death, whereas a mind that is controlled by the Spirit leads to life and peace. And who doesn't want life? And peace. Beautiful words in Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Our inner dialogue matters significantly. More than anything else, what occupies our minds and what we think dictates the direction of our lives. Is your mind dominated by sinful, negative, critical thinking? 
Or is your mind dominated by the truth of God? Is your mind dominated by things of the Spirit, consistent with God-honoring truth? Scripture tells us to be careful with what we focus our attention on. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We decide what we will dwell upon and what we allow our minds to think about. Paul says, fix your thoughts, meaning there is a choice to be made. We have to learn to lead and to train our minds to think well. It doesn't just happen. We understand this with physical exercise, don't we? It makes perfect sense. We have to train if we want to get strong and fit and healthy. It's exactly the same with our minds. We have to train our minds to think well. Every day, we choose what food and fluid we put into our mouths. And that food and fluid has a big bearing on our overall health. And the same can be said for our minds. Every day we are feeding our minds with thoughts. Are those thoughts healthy thoughts? Are those thoughts going to lead to health and to peace and to life? Or are they destructive thoughts that, as the Scriptures say, are going to lead to death? So I'm becoming convinced that changing our thinking can, in fact, change our lives. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So let me ask you a question. Are you excited about what your strongest thoughts are? Are you excited about the direction your strongest thoughts are taking you in? Can you identify what your strongest thoughts are? Now, I would like to consider myself as a positive person. But I must confess, as I've been paying more attention to my thoughts, I've realized that I have way more negative thoughts than I care to admit. So don't judge me here, just being honest. But some of the thoughts that run through my mind on a fairly regular, consistent basis are thoughts like this. Why did we even have these kids anyway? <laughs> Life can be so hard with three kids. I just cleaned that mess up. Oh, our house is too small. I'm not content. I want more. There is too much to do and not enough time to fit it all in. The church isn't going to grow or change. It's just going to stay exactly the same as it's always been. 
Am I going to be successful? Does my role make any difference at all? Are people even going to remember what I've spoken about this morning, tomorrow? This person really frustrates me. I'm so overwhelmed. (laughs) Just like you, I'm a normal human being. There's some of the thoughts that run through my mind. And this week I've tried to take a bit of a mental check and realize that these thoughts are ruminating far more than they ought to be. And it, it starts to become a bit of a soundtrack in our mind, this inner dialogue. You know, we all kind of speak to ourselves, whether we care to admit it or not, but it, it's actually going on all the time, our inner dialogue. It's just not something we talk about, but it's happening all the time. So it's time for a change of thinking. I am responsible. You are responsible for what we put into our minds, for what we allow our minds to become fixated on. So how are we forming our minds? What are we exposing our minds Two, what are we allowing our minds to dwell upon? Now, Romans 12, 2 is a famous verse and a favorite for many. And it again identifies how changing or renewing our minds can lead to a changed life. I like the NLT and the voice version, which I'll share with you. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The voice says, do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. Ephesians 4, 24 the Apostle Paul again, is another one worth listening to. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So much of life isn't so much about what happens to you, but how you think about what happens to you. The same thing can happen to two people and their response can be entirely different. And it's all because of the way they've trained their mind to think. Stress isn't so much about all that you have to do. Rather, it's about thinking (laughs) and how you think about all that you have to do. And I've always wondered, how can some people cope or seem to appear to cope so much better 
with so much responsibility than others. And I think it's to do with the way they think. What you think and believe matters. It matters far more than we talk about. We don't talk about training our minds, and yet we need to, because this is so important. And the scriptures talk frequently about the power of our mind and changing the way we think. One of the things that I wanted to point out that I notice in these verses, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, is it actually says, let the Spirit of God change your thinking. Hmm. So it's not so much about trying really hard as it is learning to submit more and more to the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Unhealthy, ungodly, unproductive thoughts are keeping you and me from the life that God designed for us. Do you struggle with negative thoughts? Are there negative thoughts that constantly pervade your mind? Thoughts that you've allowed to become strongholds. Now, I think all people struggle with negative thinking. They may not necessarily identify it in those terms. But what about Christians? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We belong to the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. Should it not be different for us? Well, I think in particular, we have a battle that we're up against when it comes to our minds. Because we have an enemy, an enemy who is called the father of lies. And that enemy, as Jesus said, wants to kill and destroy. And so do you think that that enemy would want to play with our minds? Absolutely. And so, my friends, we are in a battle, a spiritual battle. And we have the father of lies versus the word of truth. And what are we heeding to? What voice are we listening to? Do we know the word of truth well enough to be able to refute the lies? Or are we not that well versed in the word of God that the lies start to become truths to us? Paul's all over this. He is all over this. Right? So in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, we read, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
The New Living says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I have this image of just thoughts coming into my mind and, and processing, is this a good thought? Is this a thought that aligns with the Word of God? If it is yet, let it run. If it's not, capture it and teach it to be obedient to Christ. Don't allow that thought to continue lingering if it's a thought from the father of lies, not the father of truth. In the battle for our mind, we are instructed to capture rebellious, negative, critical, condemning, hateful, fearful, worrying thoughts. We are to stop thoughts that are not honoring to God and teach them to obey Christ. What negative thoughts are dominating your mind? I can't get it all done. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm a lousy Christian. I'm too old to make a meaningful contribution. Life is always a battle. I'm inconsistent. I'm undisciplined. I'm not great with people. I will never get ahead. I'm an average student. No one notices me if I'm away. No one listens to me anyway, so why would I bother? (laughs) And so it goes on, doesn't it? These and many other negative phrases that we internally say to ourselves become strongholds over our lives. The more we say them and the more we internalize them, the more we begin to believe them. Such thoughts reveal we have an unhealthy diet. It's exactly like food. If I just keep putting junk food in all the time, I'm going to get unhealthy and sick. It's no different to the food that I'm putting into my mind. If we are serious about growing in Christ and progressing in the Christian life, we must seek to feed our minds with the truth of God with the Word of God. We must inform our thinking with the Word of God. Now, you heard me say last Sunday that I'd been off sugar for 10 days or ice cream and um, really enjoyed some ice cream last night, which was fantastic. (laughs) But, you know, I have a bit of an obsessive nature And once I'm committed or keen to something, I really go for it. And I've been thinking a little bit about this whole concept of dieting. And uh, Bronnie and I are trying to adopt just a healthier lifestyle approach, not, not sort of a diet that lasts for a couple of weeks. But our world is obsessed with diet, with the, what we put into our bodies. Like you go into a bookshop and there's just books galore, right, on, on food and diet, isn't there? It's amazing. It's incredible. You see, we have become so obsessed with our physical bodies. But for the Christian, what about the diet we feed our mind? 
Like, what kind of attention are we giving to that? You know, I could have the greatest, healthiest physical body. What do the scriptures say? Physical training is of some value. So there's certainly value in it. Godliness, training in godliness has value for this life and the next. And I thought, well, strike. What is my spiritual training regime? Like, why don't I take that more seriously? If I'm a Christian, if I believe that what matters more than anything else is a person's spirit and soul, and that's what's eternal, then why am I obsessing so much over the physical and not the spiritual? As Christians, we ought to be leading the way in being spiritually fit people. Now, it's not to say that we don't want to be physically fit and healthy as well because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God made us whole people. So, yes, I want to endorse taking good care of your physical self, but never at the expense of your spiritual self. And I thought about, Bron and I really enjoy looking at recipes and cooking beautiful meals. I thought, well, what's the recipe I'm looking at for my spiritual health? Like, what's the great spiritual meal this week I'm going to cook up that's going to give me a real boost spiritually? So I think about cooking, and I'm the cook who takes a lot of time. Like, Bron's amazing at kind of putting great meals together quick. She's got a real knack at that. For me, I'm very structured and slow and ordered and takes a long time. So I'll spend a lot of time thinking about what it is I'm going to prepare, and it's this beautiful meal we can really enjoy... And I do enjoy doing that. But what about spiritually? And I must confess that retreats are a little bit like that for me, I guess. But they are fairly few and far between. <coughs> Have you ever considered a regular spiritual retreat for you and God? A time that you can go and be with God? It doesn't have to be a, a weekend or a day. Maybe you go somewhere special and have a date with God and do something that really energizes your spiritual life. You put that extra amount of time and thought and energy into it, and it gives you a real boost. I've been so convicted by that. You see, the more we dwell on the truths of Scripture, the better equipped we will be to combat the lies of the enemy. We need the truths of Scripture to be the overwhelming factor in how we think. We need to know God's Word. We need to marinate our hearts in God's Word so that God's Word becomes the thing of which all thoughts are, are then judged by and not the other way around. Sadly, these days, some of us come at the Scriptures from the other angle. We try and find Scriptures to kind of work with our thoughts rather than allowing Scripture to shape us and then allowing that to dictate how we think. So I have to ask you, and this is something that only you know about and only you can address, where does the enemy have a stronghold in your life? Like, what are the negative thoughts in your mind that only you know about? What is that message that keeps playing over and over that is actually a stronghold in your life? And there could be quite a few. But whatever it is, 
The Scriptures have an answer to it. So what is the scriptural truth? What is the Word of God that you need to demolish the strongholds in your life? What is the Scripture that will combat that negative thought? I have everything I need to do, everything God calls me to do. Christ in me is more than enough. Worry is not my master. My faith is in God and God alone. My God is with me always. He will never abandon me. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am forgiven. My redemption is secure. And my future is glorious in Christ Jesus. What if you were to develop a list of statements grounded in the truth of Scripture that specifically target the strongholds in your life, those negative, critical thoughts that keep you from advancing in your faith and progressing as a Christian? What if you were to start each and every day by leading your mind and declaring these truths over your life? For example, if you are someone who worries a lot, you could say, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because He cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart. If you struggle to understand God's will, you could say, my life belongs to God. Daily, I seek Him and daily He directs my steps. I know His voice and He leads me to His perfect will. If you're someone who lacks confidence, you could say, my confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone, because His Spirit lives within me, I can do everything He calls me to do. If you're someone who struggles to pray and are inconsistent in your time with God, you could say, I love the living, indwelling presence of my good God. Praying is as important to me as breathing. God's Word nourishes my soul, and I depend on His presence every moment of the day. Can you imagine if you were able to say these words over and over and over and over that you begin to lead and train your mind? You set your mind up for the day. You take control of your mind. You discipline your mind. You fill your mind with the truth of God's Word. Now, it might sound a little bit funny at first, and you might feel like you're lying. But over time, you're changing your mind, you're renewing your mind. You're causing your mind to focus on God and His truth. And if we change our minds, we will change our lives. 
these become our words to live by. This one discipline, words to live by, I think has amazing potential to transform and to change our lives. Not only in 2017, but every single year after. I want to share with you my own faith statements. This is a discipline I want to start in my own life. And as part of the Arrow Leadership course that I did, we had to complete a personal vision statement, which was an empowering declaration of who we are in Christ and how we desire to live our lives. It's a very powerful exercise. And it's about being intentional, about saying, this is who I am and this is who God's called me to be. And actually living and standing in that truth. And we're to read it as often as we can to set the tone and focus for how we live our lives. And I've realized this week that this is essentially my words for life. These series of statements that I'd already developed are my words for life. Now, in addition to our words for life, and I'm going to invite all of you to write your own words to live by. One of the things that we need to do is address the strongholds. So your words to live by are a direct counterattack to those negative thoughts that take hold of your mind. And so for each and every person, they're going to look slightly different. You've got to capture those negative, critical thoughts that are bringing you down. And then you have to spend time in God's Word and find the spiritual truth that combats that negative thought. And you craft and shape it into an empowering statement that you can declare over and over and over again that breaks that negative spirit, that breaks that negative thought and replaces it with God's truth. And by doing this, we will quite literally fix our mind on Christ and allow the truth of his word to shape who we are, to shape and inform what we do, how we live. Here are mine. I am known and loved by God. Even when I feel distant from God, he is never distant from me. My answer to come follow me is a resounding yes. Jesus is first in my life and I exist to honour, serve and glorify him. I believe God is more interested in who I become than in what I achieve. By and through his indwelling Holy Spirit, God is fostering and shaping within me the character of Christ. Submitting to this work or submitting to this process is the great work of my life. I am disciplined. Christ in me 
is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am content. I am fulfilled. Everything I am and have is from Christ. I am grateful and will learn to share and be generous with all the resources he has poured into my life. I have all the time I need to accomplish everything God has called me to in this season of my life. I love and cherish my wife and I am called to serve her. I will be faithful to Bron and fulfill the vows I took on the 28th of April 2001. I will support her hopes, dreams and aspirations and encourage her discipleship as a follower of Jesus. Our children are a gift from God. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in me, the fruit of patience is developing in me. I am a loving father who serves our boys with my heart and my time, investing myself into their lives. Alongside Bron, I am called to teach them in the ways of the Lord, support and nurture their gifts, dreams and potential. I am anointed with the Spirit of God. I have been called, trained, equipped, and set apart to shepherd God's people and reach people far from God. Jesus said, I will build my church. He has called me to pray, teach, preach, lead, and care. I will give myself to these practices with excellence and passion. People are my work. I love people and I will choose to believe the best in all people. My name, Joel, means the Lord is God and my life will declare this reality. These are my words to live by. And I'm going to start every day declaring these words over and over and over and over, day in, day out. And these words are based on the truths of God's Word. And I want these words to start to shape the way I think. Because I know that if my thinking changes, my actions will change and my life will change. Would you like to join me in this process? Would you like to develop your own words to live by? Now, I knew this morning that we we're going to have a, a real challenge, and you're facing a crossroads right now. I shared with you last Sunday a quote that I read that encouraged me. Never leave the scene of a good idea without taking action. So right now, again, you find yourselves in a scene of a good idea. I've seen a lot of nods this morning. You need to take action right now if you're going to translate this morning's message into something that actually makes a difference in your life. And I would encourage you to act on this today. 
all you need to do at the very least is have a look at your week and identify some time when you're going to actually sit down and start to work this stuff through. Please don't do it someday. Because someday is never coming. You do it today, or you do it on Wednesday or Thursday. You actually put a specific time and a date and some, you allocate. Now, what I've got this morning for you is a handout. And there's one for everyone. If, if we haven't got enough printed, we'll print more. But you can see Sue after the service, and she'll give you one. What I have included on here is all the Bible verses that I've mentioned this morning. I know I've mentioned a number. And they've all been, in one sense, taken out of context and taken at face value. But I actually think we can take these passages at face value. Because they're all about how we think. And that's what we've been talking about. So I encourage you to spend some time meditating on these verses so that deep within your own spirit, the Word of God convicts you, not the Word of Joel. It's the Word of God that I want us to be convicted by. Because the Word of God is really serious about how we think. Then on the back, I've listed a number of examples that I've mentioned this morning that could be your words to live by. But as I mentioned earlier... Your words to live by are going to be different to mine. They need to target the negative strongholds in your life. And, you know, if you're married to someone, make an affirming statement about your faithfulness and your commitment. If you have children, just as I shared, what is your statement that affirms and commits you, not just to being a parent, but to being the very best parent God calls you to be. Now, here's where I think we could really have something special. This morning I shared with you my words to live by. And as much as I can, I want to open my heart and my life to you. So I'm always going to be a a vulnerable pastor, if you like. But what about you? I'm going to invite you to share your words to live by with your church family next Sunday. I had a tear this week when I actually pictured person after person standing up here telling the church your strongholds, your negative thoughts, choosing to be vulnerable, and then the scriptural truths that you're going to say to counteract those negative thoughts and those negative words. I thought, wow, what a powerful, transformative moment that could be in the life of this church. Every time we hear someone else's words to live by, it really lifts our spirits. So, I'm going to carry on this week writing and preparing a sermon for next Sunday, as I have planned. However, I am prepared to set that aside if I have enough people contact me and say, Joel, I'd like to share next Sunday. And we will have an amazing service of testimonies. If only one or two contact me to share then we'll still have a sermon and we'll still have those people share. 
But wouldn't it be amazing if we could have a number of people share what God has spoken to them this week and how they're going to live by his word and not by the words of the enemy. So, in a moment we're going to pray. Please take a handout. Make a decision today that you're not going to leave the scene of a good idea without taking action. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we prayed that your Holy Spirit would come and would speak. I just want to thank you for answering that prayer. Lord, as we know, our minds can be a battlefield. We are in a, we are in a battle against an evil one. But you, Lord, have given us your word. And I pray that your word would not be like a recipe book that only comes out once in a while. It only comes out once in a while when we're going to have that special meal, maybe on a Sunday. But that, in fact, your word would be shaping the words that we live by, shaping our every thought, and in turn, shaping our every deed and action. Father God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move and would work in each of the hearts of each person who is here today. And for each person, Lord, who desires to craft their own words to live by this coming week, I pray that you would honour them and bless them and fill their mind with passages that are going to be so helpful to them. And I pray that we as a community of believers, as fellow followers of you, could encourage the best in one another. And I pray that something very special would transpire and take place here next Sunday. We commit this to you now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.